0: We're coaches United ain't got time to be divided Won't you get excited? Cuz in the end, you'll be delighted that you took a listen to the voices that you hear cuz it's evident ain't no division in here cause we're coaches United ain't got time to be divided won't you get excited Cuz in the end, you'll be delighted that you took a listen to the voices that you hear cuz it's evident ain't no division in here, see? We wanna thank you for tuning in to the coaches United podcast a podcast that has everyone in mind where everyone's differences are embraced and celebrated where we see you we hear you and most importantly we stand with you what matters to you matters to us
1: este podcast es para toda mi gente ahora más que nunca debemos estar unidos y cuando estamos unidos somos más fuertes
2: gracias por estar aquí con nosotros las culturas unidas jamás serán vencidas
1: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Cultures United podcast. Tonight's episode is uh, the culture of empathy, uh, taking a closer look at Colombia and Palestine, uh, recent uh, activity that's been going on in those countries. We We have some amazing guests tonight. As always, Mr. B.
0: Yo, yo, what's good, family?
1: Gemma.
2: Happy to be here as always.
1: And we also have Kayla.
2: Hi, everybody.
1: And Amir. Hello. And um, yeah, like tonight's episode, the culture of empathy as the definition of empathy, the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. Um, and, you know, that's, um, that's something that, you know, we can, all of us use a little bit of in our lives, you know, and that's exactly what we're, be, we're gonna be looking at, uh, what's happening in these two countries. And, you know, empathizing with our brothers and sisters from Colombia and Palestine.
2: Before we start, uh, I wanted to uh, introduce Kayla, um, has a beautiful piece she would like to share. It's an article that she wrote. Um, and I think that would be a great way to start us off. Yeah,
3: so this piece, um, it was originally a spoken word poem that I wrote uh, after, As a Jewish American, I went um, to Palestine with the Tagli birthright tour about 10 years ago. Um, It's a very problematic program that grants people with Jewish heritage a free trip to Israel to quote unquote, rediscover their Jewish identity. Uh, And the program is funded by the Israeli government and encourages Jews to make Aliyah, which means um, move to Israel and basically to increase the the Jewish um, and Israeli population there. And after that trip, I had the privilege of staying with my childhood friend Miriam and her family in their homeland of Palestine. Um, so here's the piece. My body rejected this land, this history from the moment we stepped off the plane. My cousins had hyped this trip up so much I half expected to touch down on a warm beach overlooking the Mediterranean, clinking glasses with a triumphant Mazeltov. Instead, I was suffocated by heavy airport questioning watching barrels of guns sit on Israeli Defense Force soldiers' waistbands, staring children in the face. Don't worry, young Jewish Americans are not who Israeli soldiers are after, my tour guide tells us, as if that makes it any more just. I am told this land is my birthright. To be Jewish is to be Israeli, my tour guide beams. I am told we are a tribe of refugees, a landless people whom have finally come home this land that Miriam's family has been harvesting for generations, a land she cannot leave nor enter, not for hospital visits nor college classes. They tell me Israel brought democracy to the Middle East, but Palestinians have no freedom of movement, no freedom of speech, no freedom at all. Yet I am told I have a birthright. This convoluted Zionist alibi for ethnic cleansing rang in my ear at every Israeli checkpoint with every one-sided history lesson we received, and with every scripture they shoved at us like fast-talking real estate agents whispering in the same undertone, you belong here, they don't belong here, you belong here. It was as if for every question regarding who this land belongs to, we were reminded, but what about the Holocaust? Nine days later, I'm sitting in my friend Miriam's family home in Shufat, East Jerusalem. Her cement apartment complex stands resurrected in the rubble, a resilient rock supporting its people. I hadn't seen her or her family in five years, not since the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement agents showed up in our shared suburbia. I'm spinning, reciting how much propaganda we received, how my gut cringed at the irony of every Israeli Defense Force Memorial, how uninformed I felt when I tried to challenge their hypocrisy. Miriam's mother, Fatima, nods solemnly. Her brother, Mohammed, shoots up. See, they have Holocaust museums and memorials at every corner, yet we are the victims of a modern-day Holocaust. Where are the Palestinian memorials? Where do our tears go? Where are our bodies buried? Mohammed's question lingers like the stunned silence after the car bomb that night, definite and deflating. In the wake of hate crimes, Palestinians held hostage by the occupation, and unwarranted jailing. Miriam's uncle sits with his five-year-old child and prays. He is forced to explain to his child why his brother was killed by Israeli soldiers at the same time my rabbi explains Jews must stay righteously committed to Israel. Israel, my Jewish brothers and sisters, we cannot heal through hurting. We cannot heal building homes on Palestinian bones, breaking backs and promises. The deep-rooted history between Palestinians and Jews may be tangled and twisted below the olive trees, distorted with peace settlement lies and colonization realities. Yet some of us are here to stand together against apartheid, against walls, divisions, and identification cards. Let us rewrite history like truth this time. Back in Miriam's living room, Fatima's olive eyes gaze up at me, sparkles of honey and hope. That wall, she trembles, is one wall and two prisons. The Israelis live in fear, and we Palestinians live in fear, fear of the other. I pray every time Miriam, Mohammed, and Ibrahim walk outside and I don't stop until my babies are home. But I have hope. One day, peace will be brought upon this land once again. What do your people say? Shalom? Peace? One day she laments, bowing her head in prayer. Inshallah, God willing, I do the same.
0: Yo, love, yo, love, 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 Snap it up, yo. Snap it up, man. Listen, listen, just to provide some context for uh, when this episode is being recorded, today is May 26th, and there has been... Um, some tumultuous situations going on in Palestine and Israel and Colombia. Uh, if you are up on your current events but that was our sister Kayla who recited that and I could just visualize man okay see that's a whole nother episode a whole nother topic yo but I captured some of the things you said man that speaks to the culture of empathy right like because you know my heart and my listeners know the heart of me which is about my um you know my scholars, right? Like my youth, and we're talking about empathy, right? And who better to see empathy through the eyes of a youth, right? Like, how can we empathize with you adults if we can't empathize with the plight of a child? And so, you the the vision of you getting off the plane and you expecting something completely different, but you see war torn or war prepared, you know, in front of you, and then the then the the host says, "Well, no, don't even trip. It's not about y'all, right?" Like. But when you say staring children in the face, right? This is the beauty that our youth don't have to worry about this type of trauma, right? And so when you think about the the trauma of war in your own home, right? Your own homeland, right? Like Americans, they, they don't have to worry about that. There's other traumas that we have to worry about, but they don't have to worry about bombs being dropped on them at any moment and seeing their homes crumble, like you said, the erection of this rock between the rubble, right? Like, man, and and then the fear of the other, right? So when we talk about empathy, yo, it's all about like understanding the other side, right? Man, that was deep, Kayla. I'm so blessed that you recited it, man. And okay, all right. (laughs) I just wanted to say that, yo. That's Thank you so much. That was hot.
2: Thank you. That was hot really felt like I was there with you the way that you exactly. illustrated the scene and you brought in your mm. emotional experience and your friends and your connections and the way that people talk.
0: Yes, yes, beautiful. So before we get, before we move on, yo, Kayla, can you provide like some, some historical context to, you know, that experience, right? Like give the listeners and then Armour, we're going to get to you, buddy, but give the listeners an opportunity uh, to, you know learn of you a little bit right like tell us a little bit about how you're related to uh what you just experienced please
3: yeah so when i first um went on the trip 10 years ago i have to admit i was very ignorant of the situation there and from that experience of staying you know with my friend's family hearing about what her her family goes through about um you know there's checkpoints all over uh israel and palestine and Palestinians have certain identification cards that they need to have before they can enter one part and the other. And many of um, her friends and family have been uh, brutally beaten, um, unwarranted j- jailed, and uh, a lot of sexual harassment and uh, and you know rape from Israeli soldiers and these checkpoints. And that's just a sliver of of you know some of the stories she was telling me. So after that, then I did some research on my own um, and. So if we're going all the way back, like thousands of years ago, you know, it's biblical times. There was uh, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam that was all there, you know, uh, in the holy land of Jerusalem. Um, And from there, it was colonized multiple times, like the Ottoman Empire, Romans, um, the British, and then Zionism, which is uh, the idea that Jews have a right to Israel and that we should go back, quote unquote, back and form a land there was created in the 1890s. I didn't know that. I thought it was like a response to the Holocaust, but this was you know, something that had been brewing for a while. So fast forward, just to give context, in like 1945 was when my grandpa fled the Holocaust from Austria in 1945. Around this time, a lot of Jews were going to, it, to, it wasn't even called Israel, it was Palestine. Israel was only founded less than 100 years ago in 1948. During the Nakba, which is um, an Arabic word for the Great c- Catastrophe, when mm. I- Israelis or you know came with force to um, displace hundreds of thousands of Palestinians, and they mm. had the support of the U.S. and the Soviet Union at the time, and they illegally created you know this state. Even at, just a year later, then the U.N. came out and said, "No, Palestinians have a right to return to their land," but that was never you know really followed mm, with. Mm, mm. And since then, it's been just land grabs and colonialism ever since you can look up maps of Palestine. And I will say, you know, please go do your own research, follow Palestinian activists on the ground. I'm not an expert in this is just like, you know, my perspective, but please go follow those activists because they're getting elevated in ways that they have never been before just because of media um, suppression and Western media, you know, vilifying Islam, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, so Palestine was just shrunk through colonization and effectively erased off maps. And then allegedly, you know, Gaza and um, the West Bank were quote unquote, you know, given to Palestinians, but that isn't even true. They can't even move in their own lands. They can't, there's no uh, Palestinian formal government um, or army, which is why when folks say, oh, it's a conflict, I'm like, hold on, let's do a quick power analysis here because this is two different things, you know? Mm -hmm. Israel is one of the strongest armies in the world. The US alone gives 3. Billion, which like I didn't even know was a real number, but like $3.8 billion a year to is Israel. Um, of our, you know, if you're working in, in the US and you pay taxes, a cut of your paycheck is going to drop bombs on Gaza is really what's, you know, if we simplify it to that level. Um and so that brings us, you know, there's been multiple war crimes. I think it was, yeah, 62. International criminal court cases of international war crimes that Israel has committed and has never been held accountable for. Uh, right now, there's there you know with the bombing of Gaza and the West Bank, that's also indirect. Um, uh, you know, it's not allowed by the UN obviously to go and just be bombing kids. So they they're never held accountable for that. Um, and. I don't know, do you want me to get into the current situation of what's been going on since Ramadan? Yeah, okay, so during Ramadan, which is like the, you know, one of the main holidays in Islam, then uh, the Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood, which was uh, a Palestinian neighborhood, um, there was mass evictions by Israelis. And a lot of these are folks that do make that Aliyah who come from the US or from different parts of the world. And because they're given, it's the only country in the world that gives folks automatic citizenship based on their religion. Mm -hmm. And so anyone with, you know, I could go move to Israel right now and they would pay for my flight. They would hook me up with uh, language classes to learn Hebrew and get me set. Like it's the the amount of effort the Israeli government puts out to get Jews to, you know, be on their side, basically to up their power is pretty, um, pretty blatant at this point. Mm -hmm. Uh, But so during Ramadan, Palestinians are praying in Al Aqsa. It's like one of the most holy, you know, mosques there. Um, they're being shot up while they're praying by Israeli Defense Force soldiers and um, tear gas and rubber bullets, and you know, violence ensues. They even sprayed sewer water. I was talking to Miriam, my friend, the other day, and she was like, "Yeah, they're spraying poop on us." And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And she's like, "No, they, for real, are spraying poop on us. They spray sewer water. Just they are completely." treated as second-class citizens. Um, They eventually came to a a ceasefire agreement, but even after they agreed to the ceasefire, then Israel continued to drop bombs on Gaza and the West Bank until that, you know, they said, okay, the ceasefire is gonna be on Friday. Yep, we'll keep on bombing until then. So obviously, (laughs) you know, there's a huge power um, differential and they even have like a, um, I don't know how it works, but like their military is extremely strong and they have this dome. Um, that diverts any missiles uh, that are, you know, headed towards Israel, then they, they don't get through this, like, inner, I don't know what it, how it works, but like this dome. So the amount of destruction, um, when folks call it a, Palest- uh, sorry, a conflict or look at both sides, it just really doesn't make sense because uh, Palestine does not have a formal army um, or a formal government. And they deserve basic rights. Obviously, like they've been occupied and oppressed for so long, and the Mm. world turns another eye because when people are critical of Israel, then it's seen as anti-Semitism, which just means anti-Jew, basically. But as a Jewish person, person, I can let you know that that is totally diverts from the whole argument. You know, like if anything, then they're using Islamophobia to continue to push this narrative of no Israel has to defend defend itself against um, Hamas, which is like a militant group that formed a lot of folks in the Western media call it a quote unquote terrorist group because they're acting, they're the only people that are acting in defense of Palestinians. And some of their things, you know, they put out some extreme issues, but they're, they're the only ones, you know, the whole world watches and turns another eye because they don't want to be anti Semitic. So And, you know, there's been peaceful militant groups before. And if you look even past history, the Black Panthers were called a uh, terrorist group here. (laughs) Be careful who you're, you know, trusting when when you're putting names on on different groups of folks. So those are some ways that the conversation is diverted. But I encourage folks to do research and to really um, make sure what media you're consuming and how accurate it is. Because people kind of just push it away as, oh, this is just a really complicated Um, conflict that's based in religion, and it's not. Judaism, my faith, is being used to oppress people when one of our main tenets is tikkun olam, which means to repair the world. Like, Mm -hmm. our religion is not about bombing people and settler colonialism, but it's being weaponized in that way.
0: Yeah, man. Kayla, thank you again, right? Because, you know, when when you really think about everything that you just mentioned, and then surmising it with, you know, how Religion is being weaponized, right? Like when you think about Christianity, right? And this is not an episode about, you know, bashing religions or anything, but you think about the use of it and how it's designed, you know, by individuals who desire power to totally neglect what its truth is designed to do, right? Like you said, peace of the world, right? To bring healing to bring empathy, right, to bring understanding. It's being, you know, twisted. And that whole anti-Semitism thing, right? Like, you know, people who have the means and the the power to say something are ensnared by fear because they don't want to be, you know, they don't want to speak out of turn or they don't want to say anything against it or they don't want to be considered, you know having these uh, terroristic kind of views in support of. You know, and it's just like, man, and that's what's the beautiful thing about coaches United because, you know, here's a platform for us just to have a conversation. That's all it is, just a conversation. And I love what you say. Go do your own research. Don't take it out of my mouth, right? Because I'm just a woman just like everybody else. But go do it on your own and then support, you know, or not, right? It's a choice. But um, I appreciate that, Kayla. Thank you so much. Um, so... Uh, we're definitely going to come back. Uh, but, Gemma, do you want to give Armor a chance to, um, yeah, let's give Armor a chance to say a few things about himself and um, where he lies in that.
4: Um, hello, everyone. My name is Amr. Um, pretty much I was uh, born in Palestine. Um, unfortunately, due to uh, the mass uh, pretty much war and violence that was, uh, so I was born in Nablus, uh, Nablus, Palestine, which is relatively uh, north of of Palestine. Um, And due to the violence and um, pretty much mass, uh, mass displacement, uh, I wasn't able to live there. Um, My family uh, traveled to or fled to um, Kuwait and uh from there we've been we've been uh settling um in the Middle East. Uh with that said, I still do have family uh living in Palestine, uh mostly in Nablus as well as um uh in in uh some some in Gaza in the Gaza Strip. Mm. And just to give context in the Gaza Strip, uh, as you can see um, in the map, that the Gaza Strip is pretty much blocked uh, through all borders, uh, uh, blocked from Israel as well as Egypt. Um, So pretty much they have uh, no room for them to um, pretty much go anywhere. Um, Also, the Gaza Strip uh, has checkpoints within, within Gaza. So pretty much the the lack of movement uh, for Palestinians in Gaza in Gaza is very very prominent. Um,
1: when yeah. you when you say when you say checkpoints, what like what kind of check, checkpoints?
4: Um, so so uh, yeah. So thank you for that question. Um, most of these checkpoints, uh, no, all of these checkpoints are uh, controlled by Israel, and Israel has has uh, technically the right to, uh, strip anyone, arrest anyone at any time, uh, especially in these checkpoints, they, um, they, they, um, keep these Palestinians, for example, uh, staying and holding them for hours, you know, just for the sake of doing so, um, they could, they could just, they could simply take any of your bags and say, yup, you can't take this. You can't take that. Um, or they'll just simply not even let you uh, walk, walk past that, walk past the checkpoint, just simply because they are able to do so. Um, uh, All all of, all of the water system uh, in the Gaza Strip is controlled by Israel. And so um, around uh, most, most of the, uh, most of the Palestinians in the Gaza Strip don't have Access to uh, clean water. Um, the electricity system, as well, is controlled by Israel. Uh, with that said, now more around 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 there are um, yeah, so there are four hours of four hours a day of electricity time for Palestinians to uh, to access. I mean, considering considering us, for example, that. That we have electricity pretty much twenty four seven, you know, unless we didn't pay the electricity bill, um, you know, we don't. That's not even a, th- a thing to think about, you know. Having ha- having electricity at all times has never been a question, at least in my part. For them, unfortunately, I mean, it's at maximum at max four hours of of electricity. Um, <clears throat> the unfortunate, also the children in Gaza. Uh, the UNICEF just released a, um, statistic, uh, stating, um, 30% of Palestinian children living in Gaza don't make it to the age of five, to the age huh. of five. we we i I'm like, oh man, I wish, I, I hope I could reach 30 right now. You mm-hmm. know, right. and it's, it's crazy. It's crazy to think, it's crazy to think that way. Um, Throughout the past month and a half, uh, during the holiest month of Ramadan, Israel has been shooting down buildings and buildings and buildings. Now, more than more than fifteen families just totally wiped, totally wiped. Fifteen, uh, more than sixty children dead.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And just for the fact that, just for the fact that this is that Israel has been, ever since the start of this whole occupation. They've been trying to displace, um, colonize Palestine.
1: Mm. And, and I just wanna like, this is where I'm gonna come in. Uh, I'm, I'm a Colombian uh, citizen. I was born in Colombia and um, I, I saw, I sat on the news like when I was in Colombia, I remember seeing things on the news even as young as I was and ever since, I can remember it's been constant, 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 like, like, just war, like uh, war, um, environment between um, Palestine and Israel, and then that's that's never gone away, and uh, it kind of like go, it kind of like dies down for, and then it comes back, and then what's the next trigger? What's the next trigger? And just recently, I, I, I was more aware because now I'm an adult. I, I'm, I'm. I choose to educate myself. I, I. I choose to do extended research. I don't depend on what the media feeds me. I actually do my own research. And what I've seen is that, like, you know, uh, Israel just waits as opportunistic. They. They. They're opportunistic. They wait for like the this those chances to like hammer down Palestinian people and, and like. To me it's just so unfair like that we have this power um that's obviously like controlling trying to be in control of that area controlling the palestinian people like having the, all these checkpoints and for what i hear just recently that's how it all got instigated Where like this this uh israeli uh military people were like just disrespectful Uh, to Palestinians during their um, during the holy month and like just like you know like it's just constant oppression constant oppression man and like just recently they they announced it on the news I like if you watch the American news they come and say like oh finally you know they came to a peace agreement and like all these things but the first thing that this uh, prime minister he comes out and he's like yeah, you know, we have an agreement, but if they break it, we're going hard on them. And I'm like, what? Like this guy, he's like, what kind of peace agreement is this? Like you, like the first thing you got to say is like, if they, if they do something, you're going to come and hammer them. Like that's ridiculous. One of all, because, because Israel the israeli military has just so much power and so much support throughout all this throughout all this year they've been with the help of like of course you know being allied to britain and being allied to united states so of course people tend to see them as the good ones as the oppressed ones but really they're so opportunistic that they're taking any chance they can get to keep hammering down on Palestinian people and I I, I call that BS man. I, I I straight up call that BS. Like we have a a a government and I'm not saying this is the Israeli people. I'm saying the Israeli government, the Israeli government is the ones that are being opportunistic, the ones that are coming and, you know, like taking any chances they can get to look like the good people and then hammer down on the Palestinian people. And then it's just so like, it's so sad to me that like, here it is. This is another another Derek Chauvin standing on uh, George Floyd's um, chest, pretty much, you know, and and the rest of the world is just watching, you know, the rest of the world is just watching this happen. And it, it just saddens me. It really saddens me.
0: And let me see, uh, Bass. I appreciate that, man. And Armor, I appreciate you uh, for providing your perspective uh, from the youth uh, component because you know you you spoke to how just the necessities of life, right? And then the depravity, like being deprived of the basic system of electricity, right? And then clean water, and you say the statistic, man, that breaks my heart because I love the youth. I love babies and I love the kids, right? And you think about like just that alone, not living until you're five years old. You know, like we talk about the culture of empathy and it's a cycle that is going to continue because when you think about the psychology of war, right? Like Kayla talked about in her poem, in her spoken spoken word where, you know, the children have to see this every day, right? The weaponized, the weapons, the guns, the trauma. And then, so there is, there are Israeli babies that grow up and they see it, they hear it. Their parents speak ill of the Palestinian, you know, individuals. And so naturally psychology would say, I don't know why I don't like you, but I don't like you. Yeah, I don't know why you're the same as me, you're a child, you're a youth, you're a teen, whatever, but I'm not supposed to like you. And for what, right? That's like when you think about the American history and the plight of the Black American, right? Like people hate Black Americans or people hate it in this time frame because of propaganda, right? And so again, keeping it centered on why we do the work we do at Coaches United is for these conversations. And so I want to I say this to any um, Israelite that might be listening to this podcast. Give us your perspective, right? Give us your understanding of what's going on there, because, you know, this is, we, we're, we see one side from the heart of the individuals that are dealing with it. And so we want to hear your heart too, like the reasoning why. So once we, once we understand that, because like Sebastian read at the top, empathy is understanding the disposition of somebody else, seeing yourself there, right? Now, once I see your plight, I better understand it. And I'm more likely to support you as opposed to, in the analogy, keep my knee on your neck. You know what I'm saying? So Amar, thank you for uh, speaking your heart, man. And providing perspective you know because that tears me down like these babies don't have clean water right yeah the, yeah. the trauma you know what i'm saying right Ooh. right
2: yeah. yeah and it is so much deeper than um than just religion or than just palestinians and israelis or colombians or anybody it's really just human being and i really appreciate what you were saying Imar, and um kayla because it is like People deserve rights. People, every human being should have the same rights and access to necessities and the basics that they need to survive. And the fact that that is disproportionate in certain regions is unfair. And um, I really resonated with what Kayla was saying with belonging, that feels like such a political juxtaposition to try and really foster belonging while also oppress other people by creating a lack of belonging in another area or in the same area. So it's just, um, and you see that globally too in many different contexts, but having the willingness and the curiosity to hear people's stories um, and to recognize everyone's experience as legitimate and move on with that and try and foster that understanding and respect is so important. And yeah, I just, I feel a lot for what, everyone has shared so far and I don't know. I, I don't know the solution. And that's the, the point is that the solution has to be collective and it has to be holistic and involving everybody. And that's a, a big problem that I think is very clear in politics these days. But um, hopefully we can come to a solution, but yeah. So I
1: think that Coaches United, this is part of the solution conversations giving voice to those that are not heard because right now as of right now like our media are like up until the up until now like news networks have only shown us what they want us to see and then social media comes around and they do the same thing they uh they uh they don't let they censor information that's that's real that's being kept from us Uh, as a boy from colombia i grew up watching the news i was interested it caught my attention what was going on in israel and and palestine and it always made it seem like the israeli people were the good and palestine people were the bad and and that's how it always went that's how they that's how they made it seem as an adult i see something different because i'm actively trying to educate myself and be knowledgeable that media sometimes can be biased towards a certain
0: let me ask let me ask this question real quick uh sebastian i appreciate you man you already know how we get down here at Coaches united man um, what matters to you matters to us and so uh kayla sister um because i i, I just want to know you have a it seems to me and, and maybe i misunderstood initially what you said about yourself uh mm-hmm. but your juxtaposition between, so so are, are you of Jewish faith and you have like your best friend is Palestinian? Can you tell, make me understand how that intersection uh, creates you, please?
3: Yes, of course. Um, so my dad is Jewish. Um, like I mentioned, you know, my grandpa fled from the Holocaust, came to the States. That whole bloodline is Jewish, but when I got to, and my mom was, um, uh, was Christian. And so in the like rabbinical, according to rabbis in Israel, then I'm not officially Jewish because it it seems to me kind of like the one drop rule. Like they're like, Mm. no,
0: um,
3: it has to come from the mother's bloodline. So in Mm. their eyes, I'm not considered Jewish, but I'm considered Jewish enough to get a free trip to Israel to try and like (laughs) get support from them, you know? So, um, but culturally I identify as Jewish. I I don't, you know, um, I don't belong to a synagogue. I don't, you know, celebrate the religion like like that but I I do celebrate the high holidays with my family and I do Mm -hmm. consider it part of my identity of course
0: okay Mm -hmm.
3: um and I grew up here in the states with uh with Miriam who is 100% Palestinian and her family was deeply impacted by the Nakba and completely displaced um and so you know we just kept in touch even after her after her family got deported when we were in high school we kept in touch and um are still so, very
0: close today. Very beautiful. And so thank you for that, um, that context, because you know, that, that goes back to what I, the analogy that I gave earlier, of I don't know why I don't like you, but I just don't kind of thing, right. When you grew up in that, right. And so, um, for you being of Jewish faith and, and, you know, in that whole context of the belief, you have a sister, essentially, right. A best friend that is, that is what we will consider based upon what we see or what we hear or what we're being told as the opposition, right, as the threat. And so I think in that, in of itself is beautiful because uh, the forces would say that you're not supposed to be sisters. You're not supposed to get along. You guys are not supposed to have a bond. And so if you you don't mind uh, really quickly speaking to that, your relationship, if you will, uh, to provide a, a different context for what people might perceive as right or wrong when it comes to israelites and palestinians
3: yeah i mean we met on the first day of kindergarten so i i didn't have any of that context mm. i just knew that you know she was nice and <laughs> then once i started going to her house i'm like man your mom's cooking is good And <laughs> we just you know like we we just bonded over the years and i will say i think um i always joke with my dad i'm like man you're really jewish because you were too cheap to send me to synagogue <laughs> and you like you know to the, all of the um sunday schools and luckily now i can look back and say you know i wasn't in that was a
0: blessing yeah
3: because yeah. a lot of jewish americans you know a- almost everyone that i was on that birthright trip with had been fed that hate that hate that yeah. you're talking about from yeah. you know from jump and so when they were there they were like oh let's just nuke them and saying crazy stuff, you know oh the Arabs don't want peace we want peace and so let's just nuke them crazy stuff because they have just been indoctrinated like that yeah. so I will say you know it was a blessing that I was um you know able to think critically and to give myself like that freedom of thought and to be able to just build connections with people based on who they are and not you know where they Yeah, be.
0: the true humanity of it thank you Kayla Armour can Can you, as a as a youth, right? Well, not necessarily youth, as a young man, can you speak to that same sentiment that we just spoke with about Kayla uh, from your perspective of growing up Palestinian? Um, j- just uh,
4: just to add more context. So I was in school most of my life in Kuwait, and um we were always taught from from day one. That Israel is most definitely the wrong the wrong side um we, we 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 were never it was never a second thought that Israel was right. it was always the fact that Israel is wrong, you know you have pretty much pretty much in in a certain way you don't have another option of saying that you're with Israel because uh, because I mean I mean since since Kuwait has been of course have has has seen what was happening and um has seen what was happening in Palestine and um have have tr- have tried to aid Palestine in su- in certain situations they 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 as a matter of fact pretty much uh, made it a policy in schools. For us to be taught that you know israel is always the enemy don't ever think that you know don't ever let anybody else try to brainwash you in a certain way um but but this this comes when we talk about the state so the Mm. israeli state Mm. you know we were we were never taught that for example an israeli person you know can be bad yeah we were never taught that way, um, and especially and especially when people bring up the 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 fact that it's a religious problem. Mm-hmm. Decades and decades ago, before the occupation of Israel, Jews, Palest- uh, Christians, and Muslims lived peacefully together. As as Kayla said, why would it be called the Holy Land? Why would it be called the Holy Land? Because 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 you know the three main religions of this world agreed that this land is 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 a religious landmark Mm -hmm. is a religious landmark so um so again we were never taught that for example um uh, that that jews you know are the problem you know because at the end of them and in the holy quran which is which is the book similar as for example to the torah or to the uh bible Mm -hmm. uh, we are taught that uh, the Jews are actually our cousins, you know. Is that they should all be treated the same way, you know? Mm-hmm. They shouldn't be treated uh, less nor highly the same as we treat everybody else. So, so we of course, of course, the, we were never taught that. Hey, you know, the Israeli people are the problem, nor, for example, the the Jewish. Uh, the Jewish people are the problem. Of course, of course, there there comes to a point where yes, there are far right Israeli people, you know, who support Israel and support Zionism. Of course, these people are the problem. Yeah, most definitely, these people are the problem. But but for the people, of course, who want peace, you know, who are open minded, who who mm-hmm. are trying to see a different perspective, these people cannot. You know, these people are with us. If, if, if you see it, I mean, you know, when it, when it comes down to what we're trying to solve or what we're trying to seek after, mm. they are with us.
2: Mm. Yeah. I love the way that you put that, I think, really emphasizing that it's not the people that are issues, no one's born enemies, we're all born, right, as people, but people can grow into ideologies, beliefs, and values, and that's kind of how you develop your stance in the world. And, and again, it's like the context that you're raised in and the people that you um, interact with and who teaches you and, uh, and what, what the media says around you and everything. Um, and the, the um, aspect of religion too. I think there's often too much emphasis sometimes on how religion affects politics or power dynamics. Right. It's not like it's not a Jewish problem or it's not a um, Islamic problem. It's just these are religions that some people follow in those given areas. And um, the fact that with recent events, too, during Ramadan, I find really disheartening. I think from what I understand about that period is it's a month of fasting. So people don't eat at all during the day and they eat before sunrise and after sunset. So. Right. That all these people who were praying, you know, had no nourishment and were really trying to stay in tune with their body and everything. Um, it seems like a very vulnerable moment, so it's a difficult um, thing to hear about that that opportunity was taken advantage of in some ways. Um, but yeah, I don't, like it's a very very big and complex thing. I wanted to ask to Emma and Kayla, um, how do you see? religion affecting these issues? And do you see that as a potential way to solve them as well?
4: Um, with how Western media, uh, pretty much vilifies Islam. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I mean, they, the Western media really uses Islam as a way to divide people as Mm -hmm as a way to see that hey you know these muslim palestinians are the problem you know when, when as a matter of fact you know as a palestinian regardless of religion i'm just trying to get my human rights mm-hmm. so, uh, again we um kayla stated how many how many uh u.n uh israel how many uh u.n resolutions they broke you know, there's a reason. There's a reason why we're we're fighting for our rights. And when it comes to religion, again, at the end of the day, when someone does their own research, you know, when somebody's when somebody understands the different perspectives of of the um, of this pretty much occupation, it really boils down to that the religion is sincerely not the problem. It really it, it's really not the problem it's more that a lot of mainstream media uses religion at, uh as a pathway to problem you know mm-hmm. and um this is this is a major problem and this is how for example anti-semitism is is huge or or uh islamophobia is very popular as well there's a reason why you know these religions are sometimes criticized massively. And it's, mm-hmm. and it's because of these media, media outlets that really portray a totally different, uh, washed perspective that, that is, is most definitely wrong. Most mm-hmm. definitely wrong.
2: And it's likely most people who have judgments, for example, about Islam, don't know what the Quran is, and don't know what Ramadan is, right. and don't know any any other details. Just that they have a right. preconceived judgment about what it is.
4: Right, and, uh, right.
2: Yeah, that's just extremely unfortunate. And um, for both Kayla and Amir, again, how how do you both view um as like tangible ways to support people or individuals who are vulnerable in this time or who have vulnerable positions? or even just spreading more awareness about maybe what is Islam and how does the religion work or what people are going through, um, spreading empathy, spreading knowledge.
3: Yeah, I definitely think, um, especially right now in history, spreading awareness in any way that you can to to dispel some of those myths, um, like um, Amar was talking about that the media puts out and they just kind of capitalize on the islamophobia that's already so prevalent in the states because you know since 9/11 and even before they okay. just you know use that to fuel the fire and so even just really um, what would be seen as as subtle in in headlines it'll be like an israeli child was massacred by hamas and then it will be like 50 palestinians died mm-hmm. and it's like okay how did they die like they just mm-hmm. fell over no like they were bombed you know they were massacred and just be really conscientious of the of the media you're taking in, and uh, spread what you learn to your friends because they, we've all been indoctrined by you know Western media and the the agendas that they're trying to push. Um, I mentioned earlier that 3.8 billion dollars of our tax dollars. So one thing you know, if you live in the states, write your your Congresspeople, write your city council members, write you know different representatives that that you've elected. To divest, there's currently a house bill, um, like that is being heard, uh, to divest completely from Israel, to stop all of the funding from Israel. We're talking about during 2020, while we were, you know, going through a pandemic and we had so much issues here in the states that we could have been spending that 3.8 billion dollars on to to support folks. Um, that was just being passed over to the Israeli Defense Force to continue their their ethnic cleansing and occupation and colonization so you aren't uh, I think a lot of Americans feel like oh that's just you know it's always something going on in the Middle East we're just over here we're fine but no you're complicit you know your money is funding it and so you know reach out to your to your constitu or to I'm sorry to your you know governmental leaders to to pull some of that funding because we're funding a genocide
0: you know, and and Kayla, when you when you put it in that perspective, man, I mean, hopefully our listeners out there, Coaches United fam, they hear that and they're like, man, I never thought of it that way. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of times we're just ignorant to what's going on. If it's not in my house, then I ain't got no business with it. Right. That's kind of the mindset of America. But when you really think about like that perspective, yo, like, what is my tax dollars paying for? You know what I mean? I'm paying taxes in my check every month and then I got to pay taxes in my, you know, at the end of the year. What is that really doing? And when you think about like the plight of America, right? Like all that money, 3.8 billion dollars. Yo, yeah. that's that could end homelessness just like that. But it's it's again, it's the reasoning why, right? Like the reasoning why, but Aside from all that, controlling what we control, we can control you know, what we take into our eye gates and our ear gates and our being regarding you know, the traumas around the world. Because again, we think about the culture of empathy. How do we gain that? We gain that through conversation. We gain that through you know, our independent understanding of, you know, let me see what's really going on, right? Let me weigh it myself. And then let me reach out to a Kayla or to a armor to find out the truth. Right. And it's like when you when we parallel that. Right. Not to get away from that conversation. But when we parallel that with the traumas of what's going on in Colombia, my oldest brother is he lives in Colombia. Right. He, he went there to get away from the traumas of the United States. And so now I have to reach out to him to see, hey, uh, you know, are, how, how, how are you doing? Are you safe? Are you good? Right. Because you're an American, you know, black American. Right. But you're there in the midst of that. And so when we think about that, Sebas, you know, I know that's your heart, right? But can you speak to like how your family is doing, how your relatives are doing in that situation? Mm
2: -hmm.
0: You know, this is where like
1: empathy kicks in, man. Cause like the stuff that Palestinians are going through, I can almost understand because Colombian people, although we haven't been at war with another, you know, another group of people right there, it's like our own people, our own government is the one that's harming us. So Mm -hmm. when people ask me, how's your family doing? I tell them, you know, thank God they're alive and they're healthy. But overall, not too well because, Columbia, like, I grew up in an environment where, like, it was hard, man. Like, poverty, poverty sucks, man. Like, <laughs> growing up in poverty sucks, mm, man. Bro, like, tell me about it. Like, not like going out to eat chicken, like rotisserie chicken. That's that's a luxury. That happens every once in a while, every one, maybe once a month. Like going out to get a slice of pizza, that's a luxury. Maybe yeah. a few times a year. Like you're literally eating rice and beans, not because you want to, but because you have to, buy, because that's the only thing you can afford. So when yeah. you ask me, how's your family doing? They're alive, but they're not doing well because, man, the poverty that our are my people are put through, like th- this oppression that they're put through, it's insane. And, and, and I ask myself, where is it coming from? Where, where, why are Colombians oppressing on their own people? Why is our, our government oppressing on their own people? And Colombia is like one of those countries where the difference between the rich and the poor is big. It's big. Like, they, there's only very few people that have a lot of power, but it's big time, man. And, 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 and Colombia, like, that's why you might, like, today, May twenty-six. the past three, four weeks, you might have heard of stuff going on in Colombia and Colombians speaking up because we are all sick and tired. We are all sick and tired of a country that keeps oppressing us. What happens? Where, when did it get triggered? This got triggered about four weeks ago when our president, our current president, tried to pass a bill to tax the average Colombian, basically all Colombians, all Colombians to tax them, give them a tax um, sales tax, which is higher than Seattle. And Seattle right here, we pay a really high sales tax, which is 10.1% sales tax. People from other states don't come to Seattle because of the sales tax.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Colombian president tried to op- oppose uh, to uh, to oppress Colombian people with a nineteen percent sales tax. All oh, Colombian oh, wow. people would have had to pay that, and and then and then they asked him why, and the, the answer is because Colombia is in debt. Colombia is in debt. We. We owe this much money to the United States, the same country that trains our military and policemen to kill us when we go on protest. That's the same country that we owe money to. That's the same country that they're taxing us so that we can pay it off. You know what? At this at this speed, at this at the same rhythm that we've been, we're never going to pay it off. We're never going to pay it off. We're never gonna pay off our debt to the United States and our people are just gonna keep being oppressed and in poverty. You -hmm. talk about a country like Colombia where so much gold was stolen from Colombia. Like our indigenous tribes, you look at the history of the indigenous tribes of the people of the Andes. These were some of the most, like these tribes, these people, like their warriors would dress on like with gold armor and shit like they would, excuse my language, that (laughs) these warriors would like have like jewelry with emeralds and gold and all this stuff. Nowadays, there's a a museum of gold in Bogota. This museum holds about 0.3%, 0.3% or less like of the actual gold that we used to have. And this, this is a big building. It's still, there. it's still a lot of gold. When you think about like, hmm, where did this gold go? Where did this gold go? And how come we're in so much in debt? How come we owe so much money to the United States and the World Bank? And how come the Colombian people ca- keep having to build this, our own government? And, and And that's exactly what happened, man. That's exactly what happened is that, People, like, throughout the pandemic, you know, just like here in the United States, there's a lot of jobs lost, there's a lot of businesses that closed down, there's a lot of things that just went wrong. The economic uh, environment of Colombia is not the best right now because of the pandemic. Then our government comes to us and tells us that they're going to start charging us even more, so for you to go out and eat, eat some milk and eggs, to make breakfast for your kids? Now you're going to have to pay this much extra because we have to pay our debt. Something that I, I, as a Colombian citizen, I didn't choose that. I didn't choose to be in debt. So, like, if I'm born Colombian, if I were to go in Colombia, settle there, and have a baby, he's a Colombian he's in debt. He's already in debt. Mm. What kind of BS is that? You know? What 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 kind of world are we living in? And so that's where Colombian people just got sick and tired, you know, all this poverty, all this oppression. They went out there to protest. And on the first day, they killed over 40 people. The same, the same army, the same policeman that's getting trained by the United States and Britain go out there and kill their own people to keep them quiet. Mm. that only made made things even worse. Now, double the people were out there and Colombians, that's the one thing I love about my people is that they keep going out there. They, They keep going at it. Every day for the past three, four weeks, they've been going at it. They haven't stopped. They haven't stopped. Here in Seattle, we've done demonstrations all over the place. We've, we're on like our eighth, we're planning our eighth demonstration, supporting our families and supporting our loved ones in Colombia to let them know that they're not alone, that they no longer have to go through these oppressions, that they no longer have to feel like, like this. Like it, it, it sucks, you know, as a, as a kid that was born in Colombia and witnessing and experiencing all these oppressions firsthand, you you get to become hopeless and your only hope is to get out of the country and now that i'm in a different country i have hope but i feel bad for those that are still home and feel hopeless because the moment they were born they were already in debt once being such a wealthy country now the moment you get you're born you're in you're in debt it sucks man
0: yeah yeah, well, Sebastian, thank you for sharing, man. Thank you for uh, sharing your perspective uh, in your heart, right? Like, you know, your your truth, your passion showed. Um, and it's, it's, there are so many parallels that we could think about, man, from, you know, our experiences here in America to, you know, what Kayla spoke about, what Armour spoke about, and now what Sebastian spoke about. Um, and, man, you know, like, we could literally talk all night, right? But uh, we don't want to, you know, hold our listeners too long. Uh, we want to make sure that, you know, we we give you what was intended to give, and then you come back next week for more. Um, and so, uh, Gemma, do you want to close us out, man? I know it's like on a on a positive note. Can you summarize for us, <laughs> Professor K, uh, the 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 structures of tonight, and then we'll give a final word to our guest. Uh, so we can close out?
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, that's the interesting thing too, is like, even if I say something and, and globally, often the final word has gone to colonial or Western powers or people who have the most impact or the most um, influence over the media. So just to emphasize that, you know, what we've talked about has been extremely important. And I think I've learned a lot from Kayla's experience and what she shared and Amr's experience. And I know Sebastian, I've talked a bit about with him and even Mr. B, I think everyone here sharing their narratives and sharing their stories um, is really what's important. And that should be the primary source of information I think is just common discussion with human beings. Um, But yeah, just looking looking out for things, uh, being aware and be curious, you know, expanding your knowledge about the world and about people can be an exciting thing and it can be enjoyable and it can be very interesting. Um, so take it as an opportunity to do that and see what what is going out in the world and what's happening and how you have an impact in it because everybody does have a massive role in what goes on. Um, as we were talking about, like the US has influence in Israel and the US has influence over um, Colombia so, you know, currently for me as a resident of the U.S. and living here, uh, there's something that I, there's, there are things that I can do and there's work that I need to do and there's research that I can look to and I can share and people I can talk to and any conversation you never know um, can change someone's perspective or even spark a curiosity um, and I think that's something that I love about Cultures United and loved about this episode is that, um, been very open and uh, getting to know a bit more about other people but especially their experience and coming on feeling that my experience and everybody that I'm talking to we all have valid experiences that are important and um, need to be seen and heard Um, and I'll leave it to Kayla and Amir to to say any last words that you might want to share.
3: Yeah I just wanted to lift up that that interconnectedness piece because you know those same tear gas and rubber bullets that we were hit with when we were protesting the murder of George Floyd here are the same rubber bullets and tear gas that they're using in, in, you know, Colombia and in Palestine. Like SPD, the Seattle Police Department goes to Israel every year to learn military tactics. And so even though it feels so far apart, I mean, yeah, I mentioned the taxes, but even beyond money, just the interconnectedness of us as human beings, like we really need to, um, to mobilize and recognize the interconnectedness of our struggles and of oppression across the world, and and play our part to to you know fight against it so that we can all have basic human rights.
4: Mm-hmm. Amen. Mama, do you I'm... want
0: to say anything?
4: First of all, I'd like to thank uh, you all for for inviting me to this podcast. Really an honor. Uh, and thank you uh, for bringing up this you know very important uh, topic. of uh, Colombia, as well as uh, uh, the Palestinian occupation. Um, It's, it's, it's really a pleasure to to speak about this and um, uh, especially, especially now, because, uh, you know, when a lot of people don't know about the situation, you know, we we could, we could supply this podcast that a lot of people could listen to and, you know, at least get a glimpse of of what is happening, um, in Colombia uh, as well as Palestine. Uh, so just again, thank you so much, you know, uh, Joe, Sebastian, and Gemma, thank you as well as Kayla, of course, thank you so much, you know, for bringing your, uh, point of view. Thank you so much, you know, for hosting this podcast. It's a pleasure. Thank you.
1: Of course, of course, man. Yeah. And, and, and look, I, I just want to say to that, um, like the fight doesn't, doesn't stop here like yes it, you should become aware you should do your own research you know but like at the same time like we are the after we are in the aftermath of 2020 a year you know that was marked by a lot of protesting a lot of like just eye opening things and we got to keep the momentum there were some changes that came As a result of what happened last year last summer um, from the protesting that was triggered by the death of George Floyd and um, that that brought some change that brought some change that brought justice you know people were hurt Um, and I can say that the protesting that's been going on in Colombia and the the people the uprising of the Colombian people has brought some change already, and 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 you know, um, just recently about um, like two weeks ago, I uh, I participated in a Palestinian protest here in downtown Seattle, and um, you know that instigated some 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 conversations here in Seattle. You know, so yeah, not 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 only can you do your research, not only can you you like help like, have these conversations, you know, but also spread awareness, spread awareness, use your social media for good, like, know that that word of mouth, it's powerful, that when you post something, when you share something with somebody, you're making them aware that you're spreading awareness, that you're not just, you can no longer be a bystander in this world, there's too much going on where you can no longer just be a bystander. This is our world. We are human beings. When an injustice is happening here, it's everywhere. You know, an injustice in Palestine is an injustice here. An injustice in Colombia is an injustice here. Injustices are to all of us, you know, we are humanity, we are human beings. Just because I'm from Colombia doesn't mean that I don't experience pain. We got to advocate for one another. We live in the same world. We should be sharing this space, advocating for one another, picking each other up. Especially if you have power, especially if you have the means to do so. Don't just stand around. No, you can this world can no longer afford bystanders Mm
2: -hmm. i'll leave it at that no and I, i love that sebastian i think empathy cannot be measured and empathy cannot be broken by distance look at what we're trying to talk about and and yeah everyone has the capacity for empathy so look at your brothers and sisters in colombia and israel and palestine and anywhere else in the world and take this opportunity to explore one's own capacity for empathy and expand that um and i wanted to reflect back as well thank you sebastian joe and mr v amir and kayla it's been uh, a really great pleasure and privilege to be chatting with you tonight and getting to know a bit more about your experiences and um expanding my perspective on the world and what i know
0: no doubt so until next week man Be blessed. Peace. We're cultures united Ain't got time to be divided Won't you get excited Cause in the end you'll be delighted That you took a listen To the voices that you hear Cause it's evident Ain't no division in here Cause we're coaches united Ain't got time to be divided Won't you get excited Cause in the end you'll be delighted That you took a listen To the voices that you hear Cause it's evident Ain't no division in here See We wanna thank you for tuning in To the Cultures United podcast A podcast that has everyone in mind where everyone's differences are embraced and celebrated where we see you we hear you and most importantly we stand with you what matters to you matters to us
1: este podcast es para toda mi gente ahora más que nunca debemos estar unidos y cuando estamos unidos somos más
2: fuertes gracias por estar aquí con nosotros las culturas unidas jamás serán vencidas The cultures united podcast on spotify apple music youtube and other platforms find our website at www.culturesunited.org or reach out to us on instagram at cultures united podcast and twitter at the unity podcast send us your questions comments or perspective we want to hear from you